0: This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Baltellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I am your host, Aaron Bronstetter, and we have no UFC event this coming weekend. However, we do have the PFL Championships going down at the theater at MSG on Friday. And we have uh, two events to recap, Bellator 288 and UFC Fight Night in Zechekwu versus Kute Laba, which sounds so weird to say. But that was the main event of this past Saturday's UFC Fight Night. Not by choice, I'm sure, for the UFC, as Derek Lewis was hospitalized on the day of the fight. Apparently, showed up at the Apex saying he was ready to go, but of course was uh, not able to do so. As he and uh, Sergey Spivak, I'm sure, will be rescheduled for a, a later date, but... Uh, during the broadcast, they announced that there's no main event. Like, well, there's not that there's no main event, but there's a new main event. A three-round bout. It didn't last that long anyways. Between Kennedy and Zechikwu and Iwan Kutelaba. Which, in terms of main events for UFC cards, that's probably an all-timer. For uh, Didn't see that coming. Kind of low-quality main events. And that's the problem with some of these Apex cards. Is they don't even have, like, a next-best fight ready to go that could, like, you know, be a viable main event. Be that as it may, ended up being a uh, an 11-fight card and had some ups and downs, a lot of decisions. It's, in fact, six straight decisions at one point in the card. But all in all, mostly a forgettable card. No disrespect to those who uh, competed in it, but again, you look at the main event, you look at who ended up on the card. I mean, we got to see Jack Della Medalena continue to do his thing in the UFC. This guy is a really, really strong prospect. That's probably one of the best takeaways from the card. In fact, you know what? A couple of uh, prospects got to shine on this card. So why don't we take it from the main event and work on downwards, shall we? Kennedy and Zechukwu, coached by the great Safe Saoud of Fortis MMA. One minute and two seconds into the very second round, defeats Iwan Kutelaba. And, uh, you know, very, very reminiscent of some of Enzechakwu's previous fights, where the guy kind of is aggressive with him early, tries to put him away. This isn't a guy who gets put away very easily if you look at his record. Only one KO loss, one submission loss. The KO loss was to a Da Unjung. And the submission loss was to the one and only Paul Craig. But he has now won five of his last seven fights. But most importantly, two in a row against pretty solid opponents. You got Carl Roberson back in July. And Laba this past weekend. And also, worth mentioning, when he fought Nick Neg- Negumarianu on March the 5th, He was deducted a point in the third round and lost by split decision. So still a loss, but has had a pretty good 2022 in terms of his level of competitiveness and what he's looked like in his fights. So kudos to Kennedy and Zetchaku, And now Iwan Kutelaba is on a bit of a skid. He's lost three in a row. And in his last seven fights is one, five, and one draw. So, has been kind of tough skating for Iwan Kutelava over the last nearly three years. That said, two of those losses are to Magomed and <laughs> So, gotta get, you know, give the guy a pass on those ones. But after that, draw with Dustin Jacoby, who's looked very good. A decision win over Devin Clark. He used his wrestling in that one. And then three losses in a row, Ryan Spann... Johnny Walker and Kennedy and Zecheku. So that was his twenty twenty two. Again, all ranked fighters, right? So that said, kind of a thin division in general with the light heavyweight division, but Kennedy and Zecheku is a really solid momentum fighter. Like this is a guy when he sniffs blood, he pounces, and he's been very good at that historically in his career. Doesn't have a single first round finish in his UFC career. He got one of the contender series, but you got uh two second round finishes and two third round finishes. So this is I used the term builder last week when discussing Dustin Poirier. And while Nzechiku wasn't quite as prolific as Poirier in that regard, still kind of a good way to describe the Fortis MMA fighter. Come main event, Waldo Cortez Acosta defeats Chase Sherman. He utilized his boxing, it was a unanimous decision, and... I mean, Sherman had, could have had some success if he tried to take it to the ground, but he didn't. And if he would have continued to chip away at the leg, like Cortez Acosta, his you know previous opponent, Jared Vandera, had gotten that ball rolling in the last fight, which was just a couple weeks ago, I think Chase would have had more success. But uh, Waldo Cortez Acosta, this guy's got really, really good boxing. He's a former boxer, of course, but his boxing has translated really well to MMA. And this is another good heavyweight fighter that is just going to be available every couple weeks to fight, right? Like, the UFC love having these heavyweight bouts locked and loaded for these main cards, and I think Waldo Cortez Acosta gets thrown into that mix of, you know, that heavyweight that is ready to go on short notice and can add to a fight card when needed and could end up being, you know, a a solid-ranked fighter if he he keeps getting these stand-up battles. Haven't gotten a chance to see him tested on the ground just yet, but in the heavyweight division... Those opportunities sometimes never come. There aren't a whole lot of great grappling-based fighters in that division. So, Cortez Acosta, if I were to make a prediction, him versus Andre Arlovsky sounds like a viable fight for him in the future. But uh, I don't know if he's quite reached that Arlovsky gatekeeper status just yet, where he he can see just how legit he is. But maybe, wouldn't be shocked if they end up making that one down the road. Arlovsky tends to continue to do his thing go to decisions, make make his big paycheck, and fight again several months later. One of the standout performances on this card has to be Muslim Salakov, who defeats Andre Fialio in the third round. I mean, this guy, his speed for a guy his age, how old is Salakov? I think he's like 39, 38. He's turning 39 next year. But for a 38-year-old guy, I mean, these wheel kicks, he's throwing them from every which way, switching levels. He had Fialu uh, very perplexed at times. And I think Fialu is a guy who kind of came on strong early this year. I think this was what, his fifth fight of 2022? Yeah, fifth fight of 2022. Lost in his debut to Michelle Pereira. And then got a win over Miguel Baeza, and that kind of put him on the map. Then short-notice assignment against Cameron Van Camp, another quick finish. But now since then, back-to-back losses to Jake Matthews and Muslim Salahov. So when he got the kind of that step up in competition, not that Baeza isn't, isn't a solid fighter, uh, it seems like that's where he starts to hit a bit of a wall. And it's also, I guess, matchup dependent. I mean, Fialio is the kind of guy you want to match up against strikers, but I think Muslim Salahov is a superior striker to a lot of guys in the welterweight division, not just Fialio, so it doesn't take anything away from him. And that guy can crack. I mean, if he if, if he hits guys on the chin, Andre Fial, you can get a lot more wins. As I mentioned earlier, Jack Della Maddalena, first-round win over Danny Roberts. I mean, this was one-way traffic. This guy's boxing is so crisp, really good on the ground, well-rounded fighter. I mean, this guy's got a brilliant future ahead of him, wants to fight on the February card, and I think the UFC would be very much smart to put this guy On a card taking place in Australia. He has now won three in a row. All three this year. Since joining the UFC. He uh, got a win over Pete Rodriguez. Very short notice assignment at UFC 270. Short notice uh, new opponent. Then Ramazan Emiev makes short work of him. First round finish. And then another first round finish. This time against Danny Hot Sauce Roberts. Hot chocolate Roberts, rather, Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts. Let's not just give people incorrect nicknames here. So that's a pretty good year for the for the young prospect, 26 years of age, just turned 26, two months ago. It's just, the future is very bright for him. Like this is one of those guys coming off contender series where you could see being a top five fighter. I think he's that good. I mean, he was a minus 600 fight, uh, you know, favored against the guy in Danny Roberts, who's no slouch. Guy's gotten several wins in the UFC. So kudos to Jack Della Maddalena, who continues to look very good. Bit of a controversial decision. In the next fight, Charles Johnson defeats Jalgas Zhumagulov. And if you look at Zhumagulov's recent fights, another controversial loss to Jeff Molina by decision. Lost to Manel Kopp last year. Submission win over Jerome Rivera. And then a decision loss to Amir Albazi, who's who looked really good. And decision loss to Howley and Paiva. So, ends up being 1-5 and in, in the UFC, but could have just as easily been 3-3 three and three because of those split decision losses. So, you got to feel bad for the guy, and then he, re- he retires after the fight. And this is a man who has two wives and six children. Yes, you heard that correct. No judgment here. No judgment here. I don't know how... Uh, what the laws are like in in Kazakhstan where the, this gentleman resides but uh again don't shoot the messenger that's just just them's just the facts apparently so he uh loses a split decision and then proceeds to retire i I thought Jumagulov won this fight and the Molina fight personally so I can see why there must be some frustration on his part will that be his actual last fight is he going to stay retired who knows but uh, certainly tough skating in terms of decisions going against him. Not, not to say that they're bad decisions. It's not ones that I, you know, agreed with. But I can certainly see why. You know, it's, that's the thing with split decisions. Like, just close fights, right? And one judge obviously would agree with me and the other two judges don't. Is what it is. Jennifer Meyer defeats Marina Moroz. Unanimous decision win. Uh, that's a decision that I agree with. I think it was a pretty uh, convincing win for Jennifer Maya. The only two ranked competitors on the entire card, from what I understand, were those two prelim card headliners. Miles Johns defeats uh, Vince Morales. Seems like it took, you know, neither of these guys was able to get going. And then Miles Johns, probably the most interesting thing about this fight, drops in his post-fight speech that his coach, James Kraus was, he, according to Johns, suspended by the UFC and was not able to corner him. And now, if you've been following this story, James Krause is the coach for many different fighters uh, over at Glory MMA and Kickboxing. Or Glory MMA and Fitness, rather. Glory Kickboxing, of course, a, a totally different entity, and they had an event this past weekend. Plaza Bot with a nice win. But this is a coach who recently cornered Derek Minner. And why is that significant? And I think I've talked about this uh, in past shows, but as the story goes, we saw massive line movement going the way of Minner's opponent in that fight. His opponent being Shailen Nurebeke. Uh, N- N- Nurebeke. That's how you pronounce it. According to that's how John Anik pronounces it, which I imagine is the correct pronunciation, if that's how John Anik pr- uh, pronounces it. But... That line moved rapidly in the hours you know, leading up to that fight. So there was an investigation launched by several different entities as to what happened. And nobody has come out and like accused James Krause of any sort of wrongdoing, but James Krauss also happens to run something called I believe it's the 1% Club. He has a Discord. You pay 50 bucks to join. He talks about fights on this Discord and gives advice and has said that he bets money on behalf of people on MMA fights and says that he's made a lot of money betting on MMA. All of these things in concert is not a good look. Whether it's correlation or causation, I don't know. But for a a coach to come out and, and talk in that manner and to basically have a tout service, and then one of his guys who he was in the corner for in that fight, for the line to move so dramatically, when you have somebody who's basically associated himself with the sports betting world, particularly the MMA betting world, not like he's betting on tennis matches or, uh, you know, F1 races. He's betting on MMA and selling access to his mind as a coach to give people advice. So as a result of all of this, he now is, well, basically on the sidelines. And uh, New Jersey came out, and this was uh, from the reporting of David Payne Purdom, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, and uh, and Mark Marrimont, over at, UF, uh, at ESPN, rather, the state of New Jersey is no longer going to be allowing sports books, or has I, I don't know if they if they're not allowing or they've recommended that they don't, but basically New Jersey-based sports books are not going to be putting lines out for James krause related fights, James krause adjacent fights, <laughs> however you want to say it. So this, uh, you know, we're starting to get deeper and deeper into the territory of this could mean problems for James Krause. This could be an issue. Where there's smoke, there's fire. If they're telling him he can't corner his fighters as a result of ongoing investigations. Now, according to sources, he hasn't been formally, you know, suspended or banned from any sort of cornering. But... Jeez, that's that's a problem. That's a big problem. So we'll see how much further down the hole this goes. Because I feel like this story's still got a lot more to it. We keep seeing little breadcrumbs leading to something big. But, you know, I'm not here to accuse anybody of anything. I'm just relaying what's going on right now. Just putting the facts out there. So we'll see, you know, when we see James Krause in the corner once again. I mean, he's supposed to be cornering the interim champion, Brandon Moreno, in January for the quadrilogy fight against Davis and Figueiredo. So let's see, because right now it's uh, not looking great. Ricky Tercios, one of the two finalists from... Last year's Ultimate Fighter season that competed on this card defeats Kevin Natividad by split decision. That was a close fight. I think that could have swung either way. I personally thought Tercios did enough to win that fight, but they would have given it to Natividad. I don't think anybody would have been surprised. Natividad landed a lot of big shots in that fight. And Tercio still has to hit that groove in the UFC. He hasn't gotten there yet. You know, a lot of Ultimate Fighter winners, sometimes they flame out quickly. Like, uh, was it Cole Smith? Is that what the guy's name is that I'm thinking of? No, no not Cole Smith. Um, what's the name of the guy? He's, uh... Colton Smith. Colton Smith. There's, Cole Smith is the Canadian guy, I think, right? Cole Smith? Yeah, Cole Smith is the Canadian guy. Mixed martial artist Colton Smith was uh, a UFC fighter, won the Ultimate Fighter against Mike Ricci, and then proceeded to lose three in a row. Although, in hindsight, if you want to look at who those three were, to, Robert Whitaker, Michael Chiesa, and Diego Fajera, so guys that ended up being ranked, was <laughs> there uh, not very not very uh, lucky matchmaking for a uh, for a guy. Who I think a lot of people I mean, yeah, he he moved to lightweight, so I mean the guy was basically a lightweight. Went on to win four in a row after getting released from the UFC with a three and four record. Or sorry, three and yeah, three and four record. <coughs> Excuse me. And then ended up facing a guy on the regional scene who goes by the name of Sean Brady. So this guy was not getting a. Matchups that probably would have maximized his upside. But you know, sometimes you see these guys win the ultimate fighter and they, you know, don't end up going very far. It happens. But Tercios now 1 and 1 in the UFC. So he needed that win. That's for sure. I'm not sure, you know, had he lost that, I don't know what the next step for him is. Like, you no know, disrespect to Kevin Natividad, but, you know, these are the guys that Tercios is being booked against to beat. And I think you could say the same against Eamon Zahabi, who won that fight very clearly as well. Vanessa Demopoulos does her thing, defeats Maria Oliveira, and then jumps into Michael Bisping's arms, her signature. She was on uh, Ariel Helwani's show today, the MMA Hour, and uh, a very interesting interview. Kudos to her. She's uh, she's had a lot of success in the UFC thus far. Uh, She's on a three-fight win streak. Lost her debut to J.J. Aldridge. I believe that was a short-notice assignment. And since then has gone on to win three straight. Brady Heastan defeats Fernie Garcia. Brady, Brady Heastan, I think, has a, a very bright future. Very bright future. Still, I think he's only 24 years old. He took some time off. Hasn't fought since the Ultimate Fighter finale because he kept getting uh, some you know injuries that were precluding him from competing in the UFC. But nice to see him in his first fight since losing on the Ultimate Fighter finale. Got a win over Fernie Garcia. And the card opener, Natalia Silva defeats Teresa Bleda. Two solid prospects in the flyweight division. Silva with a beautiful spinning back kick in the third to put uh, Bleda down. Finishes with ground and pound. Looked phenomenal. And got a bonus for her troubles. Along with Jack Dettel-Madelena, Muslim Salakhov, and Kennedy and Zetjukwu. So basically, the only four that got finishes on the cards. Walked away with an extra $50,000. So... Congratulations to those four fighters. Moving over to the Bellator side, that was the uh, the night prior to that fight night card. And we have one title retention and one new champion. We'll start at the top. Vadim Nemkov defeats Corey Anderson 48 47, 49 46, 49 46. Corey Anderson just was not able to do what he did to him in the last fight, he was unable to take him down even a single time. And then on the feet, Nemkov was landing the bigger shots. And Corey Anderson was unable to make an adjustment. I just feel terrible for the guy because he, he basically should have won that fight. Like, Had he not admitted in that last fight against Nemkov that uh, there was an accidental uh, clash of heads that dropped Nemkov, the referee asked. He, I mean, he basically walks away. He had five seconds basically from walking away with the championship because I would have gone to a, i believe it would have gone to a technical decision at that point. So you gotta feel for the guy. He had a million dollars basically on his plate, and because he was honest, he lost lost the championship and a million dollars. And uh, you know, it doesn't pay to be honest in MMA a lot of the time. <laughs> I, I hate to say it, but in terms of competition, sometimes you just gotta say, Oh, well, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, be that as it may, Nemkov is still your light heavyweight champion and is $1 million richer. And Nemkov's cornerman, a guy named Fyodor Emelianenko, will be facing in his final mixed martial arts bout, heavyweight champion Ryan Bader in February on CBS. Yes, they are airing that one on network television. And Vadim Nemkov will be facing Joel Romero on that very card. So that will be very interesting to guys in their like mid to late 40s in the main and co-main event, respectively. But either way, for Bellator to get on CBS, I think, is a massive deal. And speaking of massive deal, Uzman Nurmagomedov, just 24 years of age, is your new Bellator lightweight champion. Just has his way with Petriki Pitbull. 50-45, 50-44, 50-44. And uh, he, I don't know who's going to beat this guy. Like, I think if he faces AJ McKee, I think he'd still be like a minus 200 favorite against him. And I think any other lightweight you put against him, he's at least a minus 300 favorite. Like, this guy is going to be a problem. And with the last name Nurmagomedov, that should not surprise you. A uh, cousin of Habib Nurmagomedov. So he is your new lightweight champion. And uh, a couple other uh, results. Oh, actually, one more thing about that fight. Patriki Pitbull posts a picture on. I guess his brother, I think Patricio, posted the picture. A Patriki in the hospital at 4 a.m. hadn't been attended to yet. There was nobody to suture him in the back. So I don't know what the Illinois Commission is doing. I don't know if they're off the clock at a certain time. Like, that's unacceptable to me. You can't run a professional mixed martial arts promotion and not ensure that there are going to be medical staff in the back. Like, you have medical staff case side. Uh, Like, that to me is unacceptable. When you have a champion that has to go through that. That's still mind-boggling to me how that happened. Like, I hope Bellator has some sort of explanation for what took place there. But that's highly problematic and looks terrible on Bellator and on the Illinois Commission. I know most people are pointing blame towards the Commission, but the promotion needs to be on top of that. Like, do they have somebody in charge of health and safety that can make sure that the Commission has someone back there? Because I don't think all the blame gets put on the Illinois Commission here. Tamir Kizreyev gets a win over Daniel Weichel. Daniel James. This guy's a fun guy to watch. Defeats Tyrell Fortune. TKO in the second round. Guy's got big power, but I think he's like 41 years old. Still, when you're fun to watch, you're fun to watch. And I, I think he at 6'6 six six is going to be a fun heavyweight going forward. Levon Shokeli defeats Roman Feraldo. And I had mentioned after this fight... Like, you're putting, when you have a guy like Roman Feraldo, he's giving you highlight real finishes. But you're, they're putting him up against guys who he's a minus 1,000 favorite against. Like, he's a 10 to 1 favorite. Eventually, when you start to match him up against somebody of his caliber, because I don't think Joe Kelly is necessarily better than him. I mean, he was better, of course, on on Friday. But when you start to face the level, a much higher level of competition than what you're accustomed to, you fall flat. Like, I don't care how good you are. And I don't think that they did him uh, did good did well by him by having him face all of these guys that he just ran through that really had no business being in there with him. And we see a lot of these fights on the uh, undercard, you know, Archie Colgan facing, you know, gets a fifty second win. Like, it builds his confidence, I'm sure. Sullivan Colley one minute win. Like I'm sure it builds their confidence up, but what's it really do for them? Gets a win on their record, and I don't know if they're just trying to build people's records up, but eventually you get into a situation like this where someone just runs into a fighter that's just much better than the ones that they've been facing, and that's a problem. Because I think Roman Feraldo is a guy that, you know, Bellator could have maybe eased along, given him tougher fights earlier, really, if anything see where he's at. But it is what it is. Not my promotion. That said, fun card. Fun card, and I like the way that they've started to put a lot of these good prospects on the undercards. Like, you know, people that you want to actually watch. For years, Bellator had a lot of these guys that were local that sold tickets, right? Like, it's good that they've built their roster to a point where they've got so many good prospects and, and so many fighters that are actually like worth spending your time watching the prelims on. So I like that. I like seeing... Good cards top to bottom. I watched the whole card. But I should preface that by saying, not that I wouldn't have anyways, but I, I have had COVID for the last week. Yes, COVID. I'm sure you've you've heard of this by now. So I was sick and I was isolating for like a couple of days to try to make sure that my family didn't get sick, but to no avail. They all got it. So we're all at home and, I'm you know, I'm feeling much better. I, you know, I didn't... I, Thankfully, I didn't have very bad symptoms. You know, cough and was very tired for like two days. But living in the basement was, you know, a little bit depressing. But of course, now I'm back to life and back to reality and I'm juggling three kids who are at home from school and, uh, and you know, being alone in the basement seems, nah, you know, I probably took that for granted. That being said, I of course, I'm going to help my uh, wife and parent and do all that fun stuff. But, uh, Everybody seems to be doing okay. So, thankful for that. And, uh, yeah, I must have picked it up in New York when I was down there for UFC 281. And uh, I don't know where, but, you know, that's the one of the risks you take by traveling. So, basically, you know, last week was a bit of a write-off. Worked for a couple days and then was kind of out for a couple days. And now I'm back in business here, recording this here podcast and radio show. If you're listening on TSN Radio in Toronto and Ottawa, thank you for uh, for giving us a listen. And that's your recap for the two events from this past weekend. And the UFC, like I mentioned, is off this week. So we uh, it's Thanksgiving, so happy Thanksgiving, by the way to uh, all of those uh, listening stateside. And I've actually got a Black Friday sale for this podcast, so hear me out here. If you go to wherever you get this podcast and you rate and review the show, and this is just for Black Friday only, next week's episode is free. No strings attached. Next week's episode is free if you go and rate and review the show. That's my Black Friday, TSN MMA show, Black Friday deal. So, uh, If you want next week's show for free, I urge you to go to wherever you find podcasts and uh, give us a nice review. Five stars, six stars, seven stars, whatever the most amount of stars is. This week, we've got the PFL, the championships on pay-per-view. People keep asking you how you buy it in Canada. I have no idea. I'm I'm trying to find this information out too. I think it's just the same way you buy like a UFC paper You just order it through your cable provider, but trying to figure it out. We do have the prelims streaming on uh, the TSN app. The prelims will feature the likes of uh, Aspen Ladd versus Julia Budd, Natan Schult, a former lightweight tournament winner in his own right, against Jeremy Stevens, the PFL debut of Biagio Ali Walsh, the grandson of Muhammad Ali, Magomed Magomed Karamov against uh, Gleason Tebow. And uh, Dakota Dicheva. I think this is her debut in the uh, PFL against Catherine Cor- Correginas. So all of that. Oh I, no, actually, I guess she was. Uh, she made her de- debut back in August. My mistake about Dicheva. I think I watched that fight too. But that's uh, all on the TSN app. And then you've got the main card, headlined by Kayla Harrison, a minus seven hundred favorite, thanks to our friends at FanDuel for those odds, against Larissa Pacheco, plus four forty. Now, this is a really interesting fight to me. And I know that you'll say, hey, you know, Harrison's beaten Pacheco twice already. What's so interesting about it? They haven't fought in about three years. And we've got to keep in mind, Pacheco's still in her 20s. I think she's 28 years old. So she's like just starting to hit her prime. And she has been an absolute destroyer since she fought Harrison last time. She's won five in a row, all first round finishes. So she hasn't put any miles on her. She's getting crazy knockout wins. She has among the the best power of any female fighter today. Like, I think that that's, in terms of MMA, like, I think that that is a very, very fair statement. Like, how many women It makes martial arts have five knockouts outside of, like, the Cyborgs and the Amanda Nunes of the world? Like, take every fighter. Like, does Jermaine Durandame, for example, have five KOs in like the UFC in her UFC career. Maybe she does. I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, she has she has four career knockouts. And I know she's more of like a, a finesse kind of kickboxing fighter, but Pacheco has five knockouts in the last two years in the first round. Like, she's got big power. And people are gonna say, Oh, you're trying to sell the pay-per-view. Hey, if you don't want to watch it, that's on you, not on me. But Harrison, of course, has also improved. I just think this is the biggest challenge that's available for her right now outside of, like, if you're going to look at 145 and above, outside of Chris Cyborg, Larissa Pacheco is probably the best, The you know, that's out there. I guess, I mean, of, of course, Amanda Nunes at 145, I, I mean, I, I take that back. But outside of Cyborg and Nunes, <laughs> so I, I knew I was going to get an angry message about that if I didn't clarify. Just so the the 145 pound division in the UFC is like a, a desolate wasteland at this point. But I think Harrison, she can get caught. Like anybody can get caught by somebody who has the power of Oris or Pacheco. And I don't think Pacheco is going to be an easy out by any means. So I, this this fight is actually really interesting to me, especially with Pacheco being such a big underdog. And we'll see if that line even continues to move more. But I think that this fight could be like could surprise people. It could surprise people by Kayla Harrison blowing her out and and you know making it look easy against somebody who's as good as Larissa Pacheco. Although she'll never get any sort of credit if she does that, it's just the reality of the beast. People say, "Oh, you know, it's another another can." But if Larissa Pacheco makes this a fight or somehow manages to finish Kayla Harrison. Whew, the plot really will thicken in uh, in women's MMA. Because I think Pacheco is really good. Let's see how it goes. I think that's a really fun fight. I think that a lot of people are going to overlook it because Kayla Harrison has just been smashing everybody. But I think that this version of Orissa Pacheco can give her some real problems. And hey, I I could be wrong. You could be listening to this and you might think I I have no idea what I'm talking about. But Kayla Harrison has looked somewhat human recently. Like, Kayla Harrison was completely smashing everybody. But if you look at, basically, since last year's finale, she got a a submission over Taylor Guardado in the second round, almost hit the third round, a decision win over Marina Moknakina, which was a a fight where people were like, wow, you know, Kayla's starting to look a little bit human. So those happened. Caitlin Young I think was kind of a uh, no disrespect to Caitlin but this I think Caitlin has like a 500 record. What's what's her MMA record? Yeah, she's 12 and 13, so she got a sub 500 record now. And she's 37 years old. And then Martina Jindrova, that was a pretty good performance from uh from Kayla, but Let's see how this one goes. I'm, I'm eager. I mean, the last time she beat Pacheco was a five-round fight. It went the dis- distance. 25 minutes. So let's uh, let's see how this one plays out, because I think it's an interesting fight. Uh, Brandon Lockney minus 174, Baba Jenkins, plus 136. Surprised Baba Jenkins is this big of an underdog in this fight. I think that uh, Lockney looked... Tremendous in his last fight, but he also had some troubles earlier in the season. And he's also had problems with people putting him on his back. You look at the fight against uh, last year's tournament winner, whose name I'm forgetting. Last season, I mean, he put him on his back and just kept him there. Locking him did what he could. He was throwing elbows. But if Bubba Jenkins can neutralize him, I know it's a five-round fight. I think it could be interesting. Uh, Ante Deligia is a minus 235 favorite against Mateus Scheffel. Not not the juiciest fight here, but I think Deligia gets it done. And then finally, we got some Canadian love here. We got Olivier Aubin-Mercier is a minus 400 favorite against Stevie Ray. It was plus 280. Two former UFC fighters, two former teammates at TriStar Gym. And uh, Olivier, I think, is... Uh, you know, he's expected to win here. It could bring home a million dollars. It would be massive for him. So, uh, Canadian gangster looking to do his thing. Sadabusi is a minus 152 favorite against uh, Dillon O'Taylor, plus 116. Taylor was on the Challenger series and then ended up being kind of a walk on in the tournament and got to a point where he, he entered the finals. He beat Rory McDonald, retired Rory McDonald. Now he's in the finale against the guy that Rory also lost to uh, in the tournament, in Sadabusi, which was a uh, split decision loss, I believe. Rob Wilkinson is a minus 196 favorite, Omari Ahmedov, plus 152. And Rob Wilkinson's improved a lot. Um, I think Omar- Omari's going to be a tough out for him, but uh, it's been nice to see the improvements on the Rob Wilkinson side. Again, two former UFC vets in this one as well. And then you've got a uh, former Bellator champion, Julia Budd, plus 176, and a former UFC fighter, Aspen Ladd, making her PFL debut at 145 pounds, minus 230. This is going to be an interesting fight because Julia Budd is underrated, very tough. Now, Ladd, of course, is uh, younger, is going to be making gains in every single camp. But I think Julia Budd is going to be... a tough out for Aspen, lad. Especially at that kind of value, I think it's dogger pass. Natan Schultz minus 460. Jeremy Stevens plus 320. I mean, Schultz should win, but Jeremy Stevens, I mean, you're going to bet against Jeremy Stevens at minus 460? Probably not. Mago- Maga Millions, Magomed, Magomed Karamov is minus 460. Glazen Tebow plus 320. Nice to see Maga Millions get a fight on this finale. And I mentioned that Dakota Dicheva. she's a minus 380 favorite against Catherine. Coraginus. Now, if I were to make some picks here, I think you can comfortably parlay Antidelesia at minus 235 with uh, Magomed Magomed Karamov at minus 460, and that, that gets yeah. you to about minus 130. I think there's good value there. I like Bubba Jenkins as an underdog. And tempted on Julia Budd, but not, not too sure on that one just, just yet. And then I want to see some of these props that come out for the main event because uh, I have some feelings on that one. So let's see how that goes. But uh, very, very solid card for the PFL. You know, not necessarily the best matchups for a finale. Like, I don't think Sadaboussi versus Delano Taylor is turning too many heads. Wilkinson versus Ahmedov, you could say the same for but there were just a lot of injuries and a lot of upsets in this tournament. Delizia versus Sheffield, I mean, you certainly could do better than that. But again, lots of upsets. And uh, as a result of that, I think we ended up with some finales that were kind of unlikely pairings. So let's see how uh, the PFL championship plays out. While it's not necessarily an MMA, yeah. I mean, I guess it's MMA news, but, uh, condolences to those in, uh, the Texas area that trained with Jason David Frank, who is uh, an actor. You might've been familiar with him, uh, as the green and the white ranger in power rangers. If you watched that show as a kid who, uh, reportedly, uh, took his own life at, at 49. And, uh, I know he was, he trained with a lot of, uh, different mixed martial artists like, uh, Mike Bronzulis and a lot of the guys out in Texas. So, uh, condolences to uh, anybody that knew uh, Jason David Frank. It's a lot of a lot of deaths in MMA lately. It's been, you know, with Elias Theodoro Anthony Rumble Johnson, um and now of course uh you know Jason David Frank again, not not necessarily known for for being a mixed martial artist but did compete in mixed martial arts and uh has a, had a long career. Uh sorry, has had a long long history in martial arts. So let's uh Let's uh, send our uh, our best wishes to those who uh, who knew him. And we will discuss uh, some more mixed martial arts. Some some news that's uh, come down. There's a fight that was announced uh, over the weekend that I really like. Damon Jackson taking on Dan Ige in January. And the, the first event back in 2023. That's going to be a great fight. Damon Jackson's starting to move his way up. And it's funny, Damon Jackson, you know, while... I don't know if people recognize this, but his mixed martial arts record, especially in the last couple of years, has been really, really good. He's he's won six of his last seven. Six of those fights were in the UFC, including his recent winning against Pat Sabatini, which I think, a lot, I think a lot of people were expecting him to win in that kind of fashion. One minute and 10 seconds into the first round knocks out Pat Sabatini. Now I think Dan Ige. That's a a really interesting fight for Damon Jackson. Can't bet against that guy. He's a, a really really solid fighter. I've always been have uh, always enjoyed his game and and uh, how opportunistic he is with his submissions. This boxing crossover stuff is starting to get crazy. I mean, Greg Hardy, who had a ninety four pound advantage, on Hazim Rockman Jr. Defeats him by decision in boxing. Plus, Dylan Dan has gotten into a scrap with uh, Anthony Taylor, and now he's going to be boxing KSI for some reason. Boxing is starting to really... And listen, there's always going to be high-level boxing, and there's always going to be, you know, the best of the best, but... Man, I mean, these circus fights every single week... Are people watching these? Like, are people paying to watch, like, KSI boxing? I mean, maybe they are. I don't don't know. I have no idea where all of this is coming from. Like, is there an audience for Greg Hardy versus the team Rockman Jr.? Like, do they just book these cards and people come because it's, like, a local event and you can get tickets for 30 bucks and watch boxing? Like, I, I just don't know. I don't know how these are making money. And they're just very weird. And they're always like MMA adjacent somehow. MMA and YouTube adjacent. It's like that; those are the pools that, that they draw from for these events. They should just do a card called MMA versus YouTube. Just take mixed martial artists who are like free agents. Put them up against YouTubers. Find some YouTubers that know how to box. Just line them up. You Get matchups between Blippy. And, I don't know, who's Blippy's weight? And Tyron Woodley. Tyron Woodley against Blippy in a boxing match. Just take take mixed martial artists and just put them up against guys on YouTube. Sorry, Blippy. You're getting in there with Tyron Woodley. The chosen one. My kids would not like to watch that. They'd be very sad. I mean, unless Blippy's a good boxer. Maybe I mean Blippy lives out in Las Vegas. Maybe he trains out in Vegas. Maybe he's at the PI every day. I have no idea. I don't want to cast dispersions on Blippy. Does anybody anybody listening to not know who Blippy is? I've got kids, so I mean I, you know. Hopefully I'm speaking the language. Alright, I think that's it for today. Thanks for tuning in. I hope everybody South of the border has a, a wonderful Thanksgiving. I know that the uh, diff- there's all those different foods that we don't really have here in Canada for Thanksgiving, like the marshmallows and sweet potatoes thing. I try it. Sounds good to me. And those two good things, you combine them. It's rare that if you take two things that are of the same, like, palate, I guess, like you're taking two sweet things and you mix them together, it's hard to really go wrong. Like if you took two sour things and mixed them together. Yeah. If you pickle things. Like if you take pickled beets and pickles and eat them together. It's hard to go wrong with that. If you want to make a salad it's like pickled beets and pickles. I don't know if that would taste good. If you like those things. You take two things people like and you put them together. That's probably how peanut butter and jelly came together. And then there's like sweet and savory. If you can get like sweet and savory together. Usually makes a good mix. Like if you took peanut butter and like Nutella and you mixed it together, it probably tastes great. Took jam and Nutella and mixed it together. Again, similar palates. So I digress. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to those who are uh, south of the border in the U.S. Enjoy it with your families. Enjoy some turkey, turduckins, all, all of those interesting bird hybrids that uh, have come to become part of this great holiday. And to those in Canada, thank you for listening. Appreciate you. Next week, the UFC is in Orlando. We've got a card headlined by Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and Kevin Holland. Speaking of which, Kevin Holland has a podcast and he just had Wonderboy on as like his guest. And we've seen this before. I think Michael Bisping had George St. Pierre on when they were trying to set that fight up and they were on with with one another. It's not, not like they're reinventing the wheel, but it was a really good show. I really enjoyed it. Also on that card, Brian Barberena against uh, Rafael Dos Anjos. This is a good card. This is in Orlando. So they have to stack the card up in terms of fight night caliber fighters. Mateusz Nicolau against Matt Schnell. Tai Ivasa against Sergey Pavlovich. Ooh, two hammers in that fight. Uh, Derek Brunson against Jack Hermanson. Eric Anders against Kyle Dawkins. Good fights. Solid undercard as well. And then in two weeks, we've got Yuri Prokashka against Glover Teixeira, the rematch. In December 10th, T-Mobile Arena. I'll be there. And I'm excited for it. A lot of good fights on that card. I wouldn't be surprised if they added uh, that uh, Lewis versus Spivak fight onto that card. Just bulk it up. 13 fights, or sorry, I guess there's 14 fights on the card right now, so I don't know if you make it a 15 fight card, but we'll see. Anyhow, thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next week with a recap of the PFL Championship, a preview of UFC Fight Night, Thompson versus Holland. So until then, be kind, be well, and be enthusiastic. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.